Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I got home last night and I had a package on my doorstep. And it was from Green Chef, who are my sponsors for this series. I was absolutely blown away with what was inside. Not only did they have the step-by-step recipe cards in there, but they had all the ingredients and as fresh as you can get them. Last night, I cooked the duck in balsamic glaze, which I'd never tried before. These pre-portioned ingredients allowed me to try this new flavour completely risk-free, and I was able to eat the exact right amount of these ingredients. Not only that, but they had tender stem broccoli. How many other food boxes send tender stem broccoli? It was unbelievably delicious, and I can't recommend it enough. Their high-quality, fresh seasonal ingredients just blew me away. And it's allowed me to eat consistently and have a routine whilst eating healthily. So get 40% off your first box and 20% off your next three boxes with the code GREENSTRONG. That's green strong for 40% off your first box and 20% off your next three boxes. Welcome back to another episode of Headstrong. My name is Louis Strong, and joining me this week is Zach Abel. Now, on Headstrong, I chat to people in the public eye about their lives and careers, but notably their mental health and vulnerabilities. Zach was very, very honest in this episode of Headstrong and found the safe space that we share on the podcast to talk about certain things. And in particular, he admitted that he's now revisiting therapy to look after himself, how important sleep is for his mental health and many, many other things. So I really hope you enjoy this episode of Headstrong. Zach, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. How are we doing today? I am good today, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I am. It's the end of the day, so I'm a little fatigued, but we're there. It's the end of a Monday. 
we're talking on. So <laughs> it's always yeah. good to get through the first day of the week unscathed. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, it was a good day today. Um, I, I feel like I could have been more productive. Um, I'm a little bit tired. I probably could have got a bit more sleep. And um, I, uh, I don't know if people can see this. I don't know if there's any visuals on it. But uh, um, I'm dressed in workout gear. and I haven't worked out. Uh, um, I've been kind of prepared to work out for the past three hours. Uh, and, uh, and I'm not going to work out today. But I look like I am. That's half the success, getting into the kit. I think it's a pretty successful workout set. <laughs> <laughs> getting stuck in a YouTube hole or something. Yeah, you know when you see those motivational videos and people are like, you can do this. You will, you will achieve all your goals. I feel Zach like I've could basically do done... Zach has not even <laughs> entered the gym today. He has uh, got ready and, uh, and that's it. Oh, no. Well... It's the start of the week. We can still hit our goals. We can still do yes, it. Yes, we can. We can. Exactly I believe it. in us. Have you been <laughs> to the gym today? No, 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 no. I've been, yeah, out, yeah. The, I've been out on the sports field, running around. Bit of football. Okay, but you've done, ex- you've done some exercise. I have done some exercise, albeit against 10-year-olds. Why were you against 10-year-olds? Uh, I'm helping out at school at the moment. So I, am, uh, I was taking some footy coaching. And do you know what? They give you a run for their mo- your money. <laughs> it's, it's but anyway, we're not here to talk about that. No. We're here to talk about you. And we're here to right. talk about your music career. But also, right. you are a, a passionate advocate for men's mental health and mental health in general. Yes. And something that you're very in tune with yourself, willing to talk yes. about. And I think you, therefore are a marvellous fit for what Headstrong stands for as a podcast uh, and, and someone that I'm looking forward to chatting to. Awesome. So let's kick off in, in any place that should be the start and discuss your childhood and growing up and your early years. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. this is a very uh, general question, but what is your earliest memory that you can remember? My earliest memory is driving... Uh, or being driven rather uh, away from uh, the house that I was living in uh, and I must have been about three that is my earliest memory being in the car looking back at the house oh was it was it a bad memory no it was pretty pretty neutral travel related memory travel related that's weird mine is travel related as well Um, go on what's yours no quite literally the same (laughs) <laughs> I can, I, but no, mine was arriving at uh, a house that we were moving into very young, um, getting out the car. And then it makes you just think, have you seen the film, The Island with Ewan McGregor? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, it's just like where we're all uh, conditioned with uh, videos of like 17 different pasts. And I feel like we've got the same, mm. like a history of, of childhood that they've just conditioned us into and bred us. Anyway. Right. That, that being said though, I do feel like there is an element of truth to that in that we are all very similar. Like a lot of the time we experience the same things, but in different orders. And I think mm. that's why it's so important uh, to speak about your experience because there's a chance that someone will be experienced something which you've already experienced and they might feel a little bit less alone if they know that um, someone else has gone through the same thing. 
completely uh, and something that I, I stand firm by as well. And we'll get we'll come on to that even more so <laughs> talk in depth in about some of these experiences, by all means. Mm. Uh, something I, I want to talk to you about, first and foremost, is school life. Uh, and mm-hmm. yourself, you are you are half Moroccan and half English. Is that correct? Uh, uh, half Moroccan and then a massive mix of like European places. Uh, uh, but yeah, and roughly. What was, speaking, and what was yes. school like um, for you then, growing up? Did you enjoy school? Yeah, certain elements of it. Um, I think I I took for granted how nice it was to see the same people every day and have that sense of community. Um, I think within music, you're often meeting new people all the time and, and it can you, you can lose that sense of community, especially when you're traveling a lot. So within school, yeah, seeing the same friends all the time, I really enjoyed that. Um, I was a very naughty child and so I got sent out a lot. Um, and I was a bit of a class clown. So the clowning element, I really enjoyed. And then uh, the punishment for that clowning, I didn't enjoy. Um, I was like, I'd say I was a above average, you know, academically probably. I was in the top sets, which I quite liked. That was an ego boost. Mm. Um, and also pretty lazy. Uh, I've never, I never did more than I needed to. So school. you were of high ability, but you knew it. Essentially, yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Um, when when you were at school, then did you, did you ever get told off by your parents? You know, whilst you were, were you, was you naughty primary school or secondary school? Because I feel like primary there's a school. oh really? Go on, tell what's can, what's the worst thing that you did, and can then tell me the punishment. So I've, I've actually never spoken about this. So I was six and um, I was in the boys' toilets and I had an empty bottle and I thought it would be funny. We had like a, a, a long urinal thing, a communal urinal. Uh, and I thought it would be funny to put a bottle in front of someone else who was weeing at the time and fill it up and see what happened and uh i got in a lot of trouble for that (laughs) as a six-year-old uh i got sent to the headmaster and also the person who unfortunately was like subjected to my bottle nonsense also got sent to the headmaster which to this day i think is a massive injustice they didn't do anything wrong (laughs) but those are the kind of things that (laughs) i would get in trouble for um go on then so that's the school end of it how how was it received at home I wasn't really told off much by my mum. No, it was just me and my mum growing up. Maybe uh, my dad, uh, that would have been quite scary if he told me off. Um, But yeah, I never, I don't think I was ever scared of my mum. And I think maybe that's why I was so naughty. Um, If I'm allowed to, am I I allowed to touch on, uh, discuss, to talk about your, your father? Um, because of course he very did sadly pass. Yeah, of course. When when you in, during your childhood, and that I can only imagine is yeah. incredibly tough during such formative years, and it immediately makes me think of the male role model and what that stands for for a young mm-hmm. boy growing up, uh, especially mm-hmm. through those teenage years. What was that experience like, first and foremost, for you 
as a grieving process? I know grieving is such a taboo topic to talk about, but I feel it's so necessary and fundamental to actually talk about it. Because as we were just saying, that it's so important to help other people. Um, so if you are happy mm. to talk about it, I, yeah, I, yeah, of course, I'd love you of to course. touch on that. Yeah, um, I feel like my my situation with my dad was slightly unique in that I, I only saw him maybe once or twice a year um, because he lived in Israel for the majority of, of my life and, in fact, the majority of his life. And so, um, obviously, when, when he passed away, um, it, was, it was really sad uh, because even though he'd been ill for a while with cancer um, as a, as a kid, you know, I think I was 12 when he passed away, you think that your parents are invincible. And so it was, yeah, definitely shocking. Um, And it's something that, you know, I still think about from time to time, um, you know, what life would have been like if, you know, in those formative ages, maybe between 13 and 18, uh, if I had exposure to, my dad, I wonder what life would have been like, whether I'd be a different person. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it was, um, it was obviously a, a, a traumatic time, but at the same time, I never really, he, he was never a permanent and consistent person in my life. And so that helped in, in a sense in that I, I didn't feel as though I'd, I'd lost a dad, uh, because in a way I never really had one. Sure. I understand that. And I suppose in a unique way of looking at it as well, it really um, cemented your relationship with your mother, who already was going above and beyond to care for you as a mother, but also be other parts of of that uh, non-existent father figure and therefore allowed her to step into these shoes even more so. So talk about your relationship with your mother then. How important is she in your life? Very, very important. Um, yeah, I love her very, very much. And, uh, I've noticed the, the kind of role reversal slightly, uh, growing up in, obviously when I was growing up, she was looking after me. And then right now we're kind of transitioning into that period where I'm more looking after her and trying to be there for her, which I'm actually really enjoying, um, in, in the same way that, you know, it's almost like two friends um are there for one another um and to be able to kind of just communicate with her and and be there for her as two adult friends is quite nice um yeah i I suppose also something quite cool within my culture in in that that's acceptable that there's some cultures where you know it's like no respect your elders and and kind of like keep them as a separate thing to your generation whereas i feel like with me and my mum it's not that at all. Um, it's always, we've been very, very open about all areas of our life um, f- for quite a long time now. Um, and so I, I suppose we're, we can be more like friends now, which is quite cool. Do you think transparency between child and parent then is uh, fundamental? Or do you actually think it's kind of circumstantial and depends on the situation? I can only talk from my experience and that I think it's been a brilliant thing to be able to talk to my mum about anything and for her to feel as though she can talk to me about anything. Um, I think it shows a, a respect between uh, each other that, you know, I, I, I feel like speaking to you will be useful for, for me. And I feel like uh, I, I can say that to you. I think that's a respect thing. Um, 
but at the same time you know maybe if i was if she was fully transparent with me when i was like 11 it would have been appropriate you know so i think there's a time and a place and and i'm thankful that that i'm in that period of my life now where we can be be friends in that way absolutely i think uh, yeah you've hit the nail on the head there if there's uh, there's a particular moment that I, I sourced whilst doing my research on you, compiling my 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 hefty notes. Um, but it's, it's a particular moment um, that I think that you've talked about, where your uh, dad said you weren't allowed to go to dance. Is is that is that correct? Um, when you were younger, um, or have I have I have I no? Up? I, uh, I I think you might have made it up. But it's it's a uh, it's an idea which we can also talk about. Okay, well, let's, <laughs> it's because I maybe I've, maybe I really have made it up. But I seem to I was listening to a podcast where, um, or maybe it was a, a fictional idea of uh, you talking about when somebody uh, a father says to their child, "No, actually, mm. I don't want you to go and do dance or something mm. that they don't deem as a male activity." Um, right, because right. it doesn't uh it's not manly let's say let's put it in those yeah, 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 uh, yeah, for the yeah. listener i'm putting it in quote marks there Wh- what do you think about that as a father figure yourself because i'm sh- i hope one day and i'm sure you might hope as well that, that we'll have children and so forth and we'll strive to. to be the best parent that we can so where, how do you feel about that kind of comment even though it didn't happen to you <laughs> you know, I, I think it might have happened in, in a previous podcast with a person I was speaking to that happened. Ah, my bad. Um, no, no, all good. Um, yeah, I, I think that uh, societally right now we're we're moving away from gendered activities, which I think is a good thing. Mm. Um, I think as a parent, I will, I will, I'll go along with whatever my kids' interests are. And um, I'll probably leave it as as vague as that, and and I won't see a kid's interests as either a, a masculine or feminine interest. Um, I think that's probably the, the healthiest way to to look at that. Um, yeah. Now it's fairly well known as well when you were a kid, and indeed as you got into adulthood. Who am I kidding? You were you were basically a pro at table tennis here in the UK. I was. Yep. <laughs> now. This is pretty insane, pretty cool, and I have no doubt many a child would dream of being a professional sports individual, but table tennis mm. even more so. Let's talk about where your influences came to even get into the sport. So I was on holiday, and there was like a kids' club. Uh, I was about nine years old, and I was playing against like other kids my age, and it was like one of the first times I'd... I played and I really, I really liked it. And I beat some of the other kids. And, um, when I got back to London, um, my mum and I used to live next to a park and I was rollerblading in the park. This is a slightly long winded story, but you'll, you'll understand it in a sec. So rollerblading in the park. And my mum was like, I want to go home now. And I was like, no, I don't want to go home. So I rollerbladed away from her and I found this guy, uh, with, uh, two other people running to a tree and back racing right and i don't know why but i went up to this guy and i was like hey can i can i join in can i race you as well <laughs> and he was like yeah all right he was like 24 
uh, I was nine. And uh, <laughs> as I'm racing, him, I'm like, so what, what do you do for a living? And he's like, uh, oh, I'm a, a table tennis coach. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, I'll beat you at table tennis. I had a lot of self-confidence as a, as a nine-year-old. Um, cockiness, you might even call it. And um, by this point, my mum caught up to me. And uh, then the guy, his name is Ellie Barati. Uh, he was like, oh, Zach should come to this exhibition I'm doing at this local kind of uh, youth club. And um, and so I went down. Uh, my mum took me and uh, realised how bad I was at table tennis uh, because obviously I'd had no training. Uh, and I think it was one of the first times I was like not good at uh, hand-eye coordination sport. And, uh, and that really spoke heard me to like go to classes and try and get better and uh and yeah so i i went you know a few times a week and and uh by the age of like 11 uh i was ranked number one in the country for my age group what a what a story i love that i mean i i love i love the um how outgoing and ambitious you know, <laughs> the nine-year-old just Mom, so what do you do for a living i'm just gonna <laughs> chat to this dude uh hello yeah <laughs> brilliant that's brilliant but transitioning on from that ultimately table tennis led you to the career that you find yourself in now yes yeah in the sense that you uh wrote or i believe i believe you wrote your first song because after a table tennis game is that right i wrote my first song when i was 14 um yeah. and it was called haze and basically it was about me not knowing which school i was going to go to um, I wasn't sure whether I should go to uh, like a sports academy and like do table tennis or stay at this private school uh, where I had an, a full bursary to go there. Um, and the whole thing was quite overwhelming. Um, and that, that was, that was, uh, that was basically a really cathartic experience and got me into songwriting. Where does it stand for, children i obviously i know it's probably slightly different nowadays with the way that technology is advanced but making those fundamental choices because was that choice left up to you that is an extremely difficult life choice and one that probably should yeah. weigh on your shoulders yeah I, I i do think about that sometimes um it was down to me and you know some some people may have may think ah oh, no your mum should have intervened my mum should have intervened and and um and said no you're gonna do this and not you know there's no question and i'm sure some parents would have done that my mum was very you know supportive and in a way like let me make my own mistakes um and just quite encouraging that you know if that's what i wanted to do she'd support me obviously she was a bit gutted that i was going to be leaving um such a good school um especially one which i think the, the fees are probably like i don't know 15 grand a year or something and i was getting it for free because we couldn't afford the tuition um but then again i had to do that um and i think if i was if i was raising kids i'd probably let them i'd let i would let them do that um i think now more than ever there is a market for pretty much anything so and and the ideal in my opinion is to do a job that you also love 
So if if at 13, my kid was to say, uh, you know what? I love more than anything making volleyball nets. Like that is my passion. That's what I, I just love it. Then I might, as a parent, be like, okay, I'm going to do absolutely everything in my power to let you pursue your passion of volleyball net creation. Uh, because there's going to be a market for volleyball nets and in the Venn diagram of interests and uh, commerciality, I feel like uh, they'll, they'll be a fit, which makes sense for, for my potential child who loves making volleyball nets. Does that you're, make sense? Oh, you're manifesting it now. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah, I think, I think I would support my kid doing pretty much whatever they wanted up to an extent, obviously, but yeah. No, of course, of course. And just in terms of, what you are feeling and particularly as a child and i know that you're in tune with your your mental health experiences but as a, a young teenager mm. how were you dealing with fe- feelings of being overwhelmed anxiety and things like that um i i think i experienced depression and anxiety when i was 14 making that decision i think it was a lot of of pressure um and my, I, I remember really vividly, like feeling uh, dissociated uh, in that moment. I, I almost, I just felt very zoomed out when I was fourteen, and and not really quite sure what was going on. Um, it was painful, and I spoke to a lot of people about it. Uh, my mum was really supportive during that time, and and my table tennis coach also, Ellie Barati, who's still a mentor in my life now and acted as a you know a kind of father figure uh, to, uh, to an extent um it, 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 it was a difficult time but i'm happy that it happened because it it definitely it definitely um encouraged me to take risks and and pursue goals based on my own interests and you know what i wanted to do with my life um, and I think that breeds confidence and trust in yourself, whether it goes right or wrong. Um, and also, you know, once I overcome it and processed it, you're then in a more solid position to take on the world. And also, I feel like it it um, helps with empathy as well. If anyone else has gone through that, to then understand what they're going through more fully. It sounds like the you, one of the ways in which you were able to manage it was in the form of discussion, and that was most definitely with those in your inner support bubble. So I guess it begs the question, how significant and, and important is it to have that support bubble of individuals that you're well acquainted with, people that you know very well, and actually that know you to help guide you and navigate you on those important decisions? Because... There's a lot of people I have no doubt that you were talking to that were throwing all sorts of comments in the air and ones that were probably fleeting comments that they hadn't thought about. But this was your life that you had to think on these decisions deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's essential. It's essential to have that support bubble of of people who you care about and who care about you. And I'm very, very lucky uh, and grateful to have that in my life. Um, there were some some opinions which are more valuable than others um 
you know, I, I can't remember who said it, but it was, I think they said like, um, only ask someone's uh, opinion if you uh, like something like you respect their their journey or so. I, I can't remember the exact quote. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I'm I'm known in my friendship group uh maybe to a fault but for asking people of their opinion on ah should i do this should i do that and and that's my that's my uh way of processing it and and figuring out what a good action is and especially when there's people who whose opinion i really respect and whose you know choices and life situations i really respect um i find it very useful and interesting to know what they would do in certain situations um and then i i see which one I'm most closely aligned to. But I think I'm similar to you as well in the sense that I can't have all these thoughts up in my head. I actually have to hear them aloud, not necessarily just by myself Hmm. and have this kind of sounding board. It's almost like when I have ideas down, I don't know about you. I know a lot of people that can just write to-do lists in their head or things to do in the day. I have to start a day and have it laid in front of my eyes so I know what's going on. And that's the same with (laughs) decisions, I guess. Just to hear... Hmm ideas and then you probably if as someone says the idea out loud and you hear it coming from their mouth you go actually that's probably not the best decision for that i don't know about you yeah yeah no 100 um yeah you know if say you're asking someone for uh relationship advice and you think they've made terrible choices in in their relationships and haven't learned from them maybe it's not the best idea to ask them (laughs) do you know what i mean oh yeah i think i think you're right there um, <laughs> with music then what, what, what did you seek in music that helped comfort you or indeed make you feel like you could put your thoughts into a song because I teach English as well and it's, it's poetry nice. and it's yeah. and it's used as a way to express opinion and express uh, emotion what did, you, what did you find in, in the creation of music Um, I think I definitely experienced that cathartic feeling of, um, you know, putting down my thoughts into song. I don't, if I'm honest, I don't know why I started writing. Um, I, I actually was thinking about it and I, I, I don't know. It doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, why anyone uh, creates, why they feel the, the compulsion to create, um, but for some reason I did. And maybe it was the fact that listening to songs um, had made me feel better. And also, you know, singing and, and enjoying singing was a really fun thing to do. Um, so maybe writing specifically about my unique experience to me, I was just curious to see what, what would happen. And my mum was really encouraging during that process as well. You've nailed it with music, like listening to music and also like singing, even, even if it's as small as singing in the shower, it's that the, like the way that uh, certain um, feelings are emitted in you, like uh, endorphins yes. and the way that you feel, it does make you feel better. Even if you're shouting yeah. out Chasing Pavements by Adele, you're still enjoying it. <laughs> big tune. Big, big tune. Big tune. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I wrote, one of my favorite songs actually uh, with the guy who, who co-wrote that with uh, Adele a guy called egg white. Um, and uh, yeah, the song we wrote together was a song called deserve to be loved. 
um, which is one of my favorite songs from from my first album um, and my only album. I should <laughs> I should stress <laughs> that was my first album. Actually, brings me right back. <laughs> Get the other seven um, on Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, you'll find the other seven. Um, <laughs> I was so naive back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that that song was actually all about like um, realizing that so many of the things I do in my life are because somewhere I don't believe that I deserve to be loved, and it's like a self sabotage thing. Um, and Egg White is an amazing person to be in the studio with because he's searching for the things which are real, you know, whether that's uh, un- a real perspective that you're having something unique and something, you know, which is going to make people feel and make you feel. Um, so yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite songs I've ever done. Do you, have you always, uh, so it sounds like that's a, a, something to do with relationships. Yes. I, I, I was, uh, sorry, gone. You, you how, how, how have you navigated your, your way through, love shall we say do you find that it comes easy to you or has it come easy to you or do you find that trouble follows you or making decisions is difficult i don't know i'm curious um what do you mean by making decisions within i don't know because every now and you know you find yourself at a pathway every now and then where you go Mm. is this the right person that i need to be with do they bring the best out in me or do Mm. i still seek company do i crave company do I, can I be left alone? Can I be alone? Um, because it's obviously everyone is different. Are you, whether you're an introvert, you're an extrovert, whether you like company, whether you don't, I don't know how you feel about, about that. So I would say uh, at times I'm an introvert and at times I'm an extrovert. I think generally speaking, I'm an extrovert. I love company. I live with my flatmate. I live with like school friends who are my flatmates and I love just, joking around and you know someone always being there in the flat like that i really enjoy that um Mm. in terms of uh uh, whether love has always been easy for me uh no I, i i wouldn't say it has um i think growing up uh not in a you know two parent household i wasn't exposed to um, examples of, uh, you know, good relationships, I suppose. Um, I no suppose disrespect to my mum. I love you, mum. Or, 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 or tra- a traditional <laughs> relationship, I suppose, is what you're probably yeah, yeah. going on with. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, or just seeing like an example of a healthy relationship. Mm. I, I, I wasn't exposed to that growing up. Um, so that might have played a part in it. Um, I think also as being... I was quite a late bloomer growing up. Um, so like I started puberty really late compared to other dudes in my year. And so they were, they had more confidence in themselves and were more successful when it came to love. And so I, I kind of felt like a bit of inadequacy um, when it came to like confidence with girls. Um, and and that kind of stuck with me until I was about 18, really. Um, so from, I suppose, 14 to 18, maybe 13 to 18, I, I, always, I always felt as though like I had to impress people and like try and make them like me. And I suppose that was coming from a, a place of like low self-esteem. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that 
took a while to kind of uh, change. Um, and I don't feel like that now, um, but I definitely did. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in the, the, the years you just years. said, 14 to 18, I mean, it's a learning process. That's where we make our mistakes and that's where we learn from them. Yeah, definitely. Now, a song that we have to talk about um, it is an absolute banger. And I absolutely love it. And congratulations on what is actually an incredibly powerful message, being less of a man. Oh, thank you very much. Discussing um, aspects of toxic, toxic masculinity and exposing um, ultimately the intricate details and truth of some, some things that certain people expect of what a man is and ultimately telling people that um, that's not the case. And it sounds like uh, the stance in which you take, obviously, because you wrote the song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, de- definitely. I, I think it, it's, it comes from my experience of being uh, a male person growing up, uh, you know, having, uh, you know, expectations of how I'm supposed to be um, and not necessarily fitting into that growing up. And then, that led me to question, okay, well, is that actually how a man should be? Are there other variations of how men can be? And, uh, and what's, what's true here? Let's, let's think about it a little bit and, and write about it. And yeah, that I think going back to one of the first things you said, uh, which was about if, if, uh, if I wanted to dance, does that make me less of a man? Um, and in my opinion, the answer is no, uh, because, I feel like there shouldn't be, you know, gendered activities. I personally don't even feel like there should be gendered traits. I just think there should be for or not useful, good or bad traits. Um, so there'll be certain situations where, I don't know, say kindness um, or aggression will be necessary and certain situations where it won't be necessary. Um, and like necessary or useful, I think are much more useful uh, metrics as opposed to masculine and feminine. Because what happens when we think about things in terms of masculine and feminine, um, prime example is uh, one of my best friends is uh, uh, a founder of, of her own business. And in the past, people have said, ah, oh, okay, some of these things that you do are quite masculine. Um, and when we think of terms like assertiveness and accountability, we think of them as masculine traits, right? And she's quite assertive and she's, uh, you know, uh, is uh, accountable to her own actions, right? Does that make her more of a man? I don't think so. And I think that anything which says, ah, you're, you're less of your, the, you know, the gender that you were born as or that you identify with, I don't know if that's a hundred percent useful in terms of like self-confidence. Cause you're like, Oh, is there something wrong with me? Like, uh, I'm, uh, it's a bit, it's a bit confusing. Um, and yeah, so I think a, a better, a better thing would be just to think about, you know, like I was saying, whether those traits are, are useful or not useful as opposed to whether they're in line with the, the gender that you identify as. Yeah. We need to strip back the associations and traits of the gender stereotype, which are completely, um, well, t- it's, it's a thing of the past. It's what, it's what was people used to stand for. 
and societies and and it goes at the same speed as technology i suppose that's expanding and um, developing at such a rate that there are so many concepts and ideas that are outdated now and gender being one of them no doubt uh, well, not gender. Yeah, but yeah. The, uh, <laughs> no, gender not gender. Yeah. No, no. I mean, um, let's not get into let's not get into <laughs> chromosomes. Here. Forget about gender. <laughs> <laughs> but no, sorry. Yeah. The um, you know what I meant. The uh, the traits <laughs> yeah, that are yeah. with uh, and associated yeah. to gender. But and one that I think yeah. is very much associated uh, with not be, uh, being a man is something that I really stand strong mm. for. Uh, and this podcast stands strong for, and it's men being allowed to show their vulnerability, men being allowed to cry, yeah. men being allowed to show their emotions. Because for too long do you hear yeah. that uh, suicide is the highest killer of males under 25. Uh, and it's because they're embarrassed or ashamed that, to not talk about their emotions and their feelings to even their friends, but let alone to a professional or anonymously. And that's something mm-hmm. that, I know obviously it's not going to be changed in this conversation, but it's a stepping stone of being allowed to talk about it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, what, why do you think that is that, that men feels that they can't talk about their emotions? I mean, it's difficult for me because I, I've, I feel like I've always been able to and comfortable to do so, but maybe that mm-hmm. boils down to the fact as well in a similar way. I am an extrovert and I'm, I'm happy to talk, but mm-hmm. I can only imagine somebody who is an introvert or even that is um, might feel slightly awkward. I think it's they're scared on in one way of being judged by mm-hmm. uh, be that friends, um, especially in a, an all male group that perhaps have this association again with the stereotype of being a lad and being cool. Mm-hmm. That's something that I think they find very difficult. And mm-hmm. I think ultimately friendships like that in my opinion, and don't shoot the messenger, anyone who's listening or you indeed, but I actually think those friendships are fake. Right. Okay. I don't think they stand for anything. There's Mm. no, there's no, there's no depth to that friendship whatsoever. It's a bit of jovial Mm. banter with the lads on the WhatsApp group down the pub. But do you ever actually develop your friendship into anything deeper and more meaningful than that? It's, it's, I don't think so. And so, What's the, where's the, where does the purpose of that lie? I mean, I feel we're all here, ultimately, if we only do get one shot at this. You want to enjoy it. Yeah. But if you have that mm. build up of anxiety or um, depression or even just feelings of loneliness in any way, shape or form, mm. why can't I talk about that? Why can't I say that to somebody else? What do you think? Well, yeah, I, I, um, I think one, one thing that could, could be... Uh, something that's mentioned as well is that you know for such a long time it would be like uh, majority it's the same thing now whenever there's a war it's like majority men who will go out and fight it and well i mean we're, we're when we're kind of we're not fighting any like major wars at the moment and it's such a long time that we've been kind of in peacetime but like i suppose maybe one of the reasons that men are encouraged not to talk about their feelings is that in wartime there's no point you're still going to have to do what you need to do so instead of bringing the vibe down with you and your like troops maybe it's better just to keep them and not you know not ruin anyone's day um and that behavior 
would have probably been rewarded. Just having um, that stiff upper so, lip. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so I feel like that could be one of the reasons that it's the case, you know, still, that, you know, those kind of values and attitudes have been passed down the generations. Um, and, you know, if, if someone's like crying in the trenches and not doing what they need to do, that's not going to be very productive. Um, and so I suppose those kind of behaviors would have been not encouraged as much and stiff up a lip um, would have been more encouraged. Um, but I, I, I don't know, we're not living in, in that time anymore. And it means that we can, uh, we have the privilege to be able to actually optimize our human experience. And as a human being, I think it's, it's inevitable that we're going to feel lost, lonely, uh, upset, anxious, depressed about things from time to time. And a most effective and useful way to deal with those things uh, are good sleep, exercise, sharing how you're feeling uh, with, with your friends, with a therapist, um, if, you, you know, if you can't handle things by yourself. Um, and, and that should be something that is encouraged and you know, made available to all human beings, regardless of, of gender. I know, um, I know. I know. We touched on it at the beginning, and of course, did make light comment of it, and and not exercising and whatnot. But what do you do yourself to maintain your mental well-being? So, um, exercise is, is really useful. Um, sleep is, I would argue, the most important thing, actually, um, for mental health. Uh, I when I first went to see a therapist, maybe like five years ago. Um, they, the first thing they asked me is, are you sleeping? Well, how's your sleep? That was the first thing, the most important thing that they wanted to know. And from reading a bit about sleep, um, I'm, it's, it's ridiculous. Like the kind of person I am on eight hours sleep versus on five hours sleep within one day, the way I'm able to cope with reality is completely different. Um, and the way that I interpret other people's agendas and, you know, things that oh, they say to me. It's funny you say when, that. When you haven't slept, yeah, you no, see the worst. You're, you're absolutely right. I feel like you, you overthink everything when you're tired. And mm-hmm. something, the mm-hmm. one, uh, even a single comment that somebody says to you, you'll overthink for hours thinking, oh, now do they not like me? Have I done the wrong thing? Whereas I feel yeah. you're, it, again, it comes to that, you feel more assertive, you feel more um, in tune with your own thoughts. It's fascinating that your mind can, is so powerful, actually. Yeah. I mean, if you think about yourself as a computer for a second, if your computer's been on for absolutely ages and you want it to do a really complex task, it's going to be maybe slightly difficult for your computer. It might buffer a bit longer. And it might get it wrong, even. And what do we do when a computer does that? We hit restart. Have a sleep, guys. Yeah, yeah. We, we have, have a little sleep. Restart. Chill out for a sec. Come back to it when, when you're in a place to process what's going on. And I suppose on that as well, do you take CBD? And also, do you do any breathing exercises? No. I, I, haven't, I haven't tried CBD. Do you take CBD? Yeah, I take it every night. And that's not to, um, and that's now more um, something that really helps me with my mental health, for example, is routine. Right. 
And that's why yeah. I really enjoy yeah, yeah. working in a school because I know that that's a throwback. To, maybe some people might be like, well, you've never, you obviously never felt like you wanted to leave school, but actually it's the routine that I need. And it's knowing what right. time I need to be in. I, it's knowing next week's going to be the same as this week. And I know what my mm. is expected of me each and every day in lessons, in um, any sports time or whatever it is. And that helps me manage mm. tasks and people. I think if I mm. was still self-employed as an actor, not knowing what it was each day, waiting on jobs, I know I have other, other things going on like this and, and uh, uh, fingers in other pies and stuff, but it's not the same for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Structure is, is something uh, which can be really helpful um, in terms of even just something as practical as managing sleep, knowing that you're, you're going to be up at the same day, uh, same time every day, going to sleep at the, the same time. Um, can, can you talk to me a little bit more about CBD, though? Because I've, I've never actually looked that, that much into it. Um, how, yeah. how, how does that help you? Um, I don't, it's very difficult to articulate. And what, what I will do is I will, uh, my, the sponsors of my last series was a CBD company and they were a hundred percent British, hundred percent right. British CBD company. And they are great. They're not sponsoring this series. Well, they might, okay. I, I don't know. Well, this, <laughs> they might this, do after this. <laughs> they might do, but this bit will, this bit will be cut. But, um, yeah, yeah. they, right. um, it, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's in no way. And I don't know, I will also cut this as well. It's in no way related to like smoking weed or whatever. It's not like where right. you really go, like you get mellow or you mong out. It's a just, it's, um, it just calms you and it gives you a sense right. of clarity in your mind and it doesn't make you sleepy as such, but you feel relaxed and calm and it allows anxieties okay. not to disappear, but not to overthink. Got you. Okay. It doesn't give you clarity in the sense of, you know, you're like on NZT with Bradley Cooper and you've got a clear vision of everything. <laughs> but right, okay. it's, um, I, I really would maybe consider trying it for kind of three weeks and see how you feel. Because I take yep. it an hour before bed and it, it, it really does help. Yeah, I, 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 that makes sense to me. I mean, I have coffee every morning or a green tea every morning. So I'm already taking something to enhance my natural life um i think it makes sense to to think about that for, for nighttime as well um when i'm traveling a lot sometimes I'll, I'll take like melatonin just to make sure i get enough sleep for mm, what i'm sure. doing uh but but that's obviously not something that i'd, I'd want to take every day um yeah i'd, I'd love to, to talk about um therapy um but basically uh it's funny that we're having this podcast uh, today, but I actually um, just uh, got referred to, to, to go to therapy, uh, something that I wanted to do this year um, because there were a few things that <laughs> there are a few things that um, that I wanted to, to work through with someone who's a professional, um, things that um, have been kind of maybe holding me back a little bit this year and, and, not making life as enjoyable as possible. Um, and it's the first time I, I considered going to therapy since I first had therapy when I was 21. So it was almost six years ago. Um, I thought that was uh, something I'd like to share. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it is interesting you say that. How long has how the break been in between therapy? 
almost six years. Yeah, but I, I, sorry, go on. No, I, I, I speak to a lot of people uh, on this podcast and many that have had therapy. And actually, mm-hmm. maybe in America more so, and American guests, but I, I, I personally don't necessarily think that maybe they're psychiatrists or what have you maybe deal with it in such a good way and maybe see it as more as a more mm. of a monetary gain in the private sector. Mm. I almost see mm. um, counseling and seeing a therapist. It, you can, it's fine tuning because it's like going to see a chiropractor. You should yeah. see them every week, but no, we don't. We wait until we get a build up and build up. And then suddenly I have a tension headache and it's been six months. I go to the right. chiropractor and he goes, well, you know what I have, don't you? you've been sitting at your desk, your head next down like that, and you haven't come to see me. <laughs> in a similar right, okay. way, you need, in my opinion, it's good to have that professional sounding board, professional advice, and someone that doesn't know what they're doing as such, but understands it a lot more than we do, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I also think, you know, whenever anyone's going through a, a difficult time, there's a tendency for us to think that, <laughs> there's a tendency for us to think that you know what we're going through is the most unique thing in the world and it can be quite nice uh and also quite realistic for the therapist that you're speaking to to be like oh this is just another one of those here are your options uh for how to how to deal with it and i think that's quite useful as well um yeah also when i um when i had therapy before um i only had like maybe three sessions or so but it was very uh, specific to um, to uh, tinnitus and hearing loss. Mm. Uh, w- when I was 21, I, I found out I was losing my hearing, uh, which for a musician is pretty traumatic. Uh, and so after I'd had uh, uh, surgery uh, to correct my hearing on, on one of my ears, um, I've got something called otosclerosis. And after having uh, the operation to, to fix it, um, I developed tinnitus like 24 seven in that year and also just my hearing fundamentally changed. And so I started seeing a therapist uh, about that. And one of the life-saving techniques I learned from that whole thing was, was mindfulness. Um, and that really kind of helped me process what had happened and, and, you know, make sense of uh how you know the ringing in my ears and and yeah just really helped me um yeah i think mindfulness is something that's really powerful and again it's something that i don't know how often you still do it if at all but i actually i try and do it at least once a week and actually try and i often try like a meditation yeah and actually do you know what i started doing and this is going to sound very strange to many people probably but i i wear an eye mask that has speakers in the eye mask. So now I'll listen, okay. I listen to one every night um, to go to sleep. And that really mm. helps as well. Um, and that's not because I have struggled to fall asleep, but it, I, can, I go to sleep calm, if that makes sense. Mm. I don't know. It allows me to forget yeah, everything else and, and be in a really good headspace when you're going to sleep. Because you know those nights mm. where you're tossing and turning and you're restless mm-hmm. and your thoughts are in turmoil. Yeah, I just think that it helps eradicate some of that negative kind of thought in thought invasion. Yeah, yeah. I think that the the thing which I learned from it is just that you know, in any given moment, there's there's going to be many many thoughts and perspectives that are available to us, 
Um, so right now we're having this conversation and uh, uh, you may be thinking, ah, oh, I've left the light on in the bedroom. And what does that mean for me and, and my environmental impact? Is uh, I'm a, a carbon footprint monster. Oh my God, I'm ruining the world. Uh, what are my friends going to think about me ruining the world? Like you can go on that, that train of thought as much as you like, or you can f- focus on the, the, the sounds of my voice and the thing that you might want to discuss next. And, and I think I like the idea of, of uh, thinking that there's many, many available perceptions and it's possible to choose the most appropriate one for that moment. And that's something that you can train your mind to do. So that was especially useful to me when I was experiencing a in my ear 24-7 and thinking, okay, that is happening, that exists, but there's also other things which are existing, uh, such as the, the sensation of my feet on the floor, um, you know, the music that I'm making at the moment, um, the idea of my mum smiling, whatever it is, like these are things that you can also focus on. And I quite like the freedom and, and uh, you know, self, uh, contr- like the, the power that that gave me, you know. Uh, I, I've, I've recorded a podcast with somebody as well that we talked about tinnitus in, in great detail. And there's a mm. great tinnitus charity as well, I think. Uh, All right. If you're familiar what, with What's them. that called? Well, I believe Tinnitus UK. Pretty original. Um, <laughs> Good name. <laughs> I, I, Got I a think... ring to it. Ah. <laughs> Hang on, I'm just going to double check. If, if, they, if they're not using that as a slogan. No, it's the Brit- British Tinnitus Association. And I remember um, Jamie talking about them in, in good detail. So I don't know, maybe that's another, could be another charity for you to support. But I wanted to talk to you about Calm and the work that you've done with them. Because yes. you did uh, the song as well, raised money for Calm, didn't it? Uh, it raised awareness for Calm. Oh. And then I previously did a charity walk, which raised money it. for Calm. Indeed. Yes. Do you have any more uh, future endeavours that might involve Calm? Yeah, well, I've I've got um, a show coming up uh, at Coco on the eighteenth of of, uh, of May, and literally just today we got told that we might have a like a calm stand at the show, uh, which is quite cool. I've never done anything like that, and so to to provide that space for them um, is really cool. And if any of my fans who are at the show gain any insight from that, that's really cool as well. That is awesome. That is really awesome. No, I like that a lot. Um, so oh, I'm just looking here now. As we kind of unwind, actually, I've kind of... Is there anything else that you actually want to say about your experiences with all this? Because I feel like this has been a, a fairly um, back-and-forth conversation, which is always really beneficial. Yeah. I just didn't yeah. know if there was anything else that you actually wanted to bring up. And I, I appreciate you sharing the fact that you're, you're back into therapy, which is, of course, a massive stepping stone in the right direction to continue your journey with mental health. I didn't know if there's anything else though, that you wanted to talk about. Well, well, thank you. Um, yeah, I just think that, you know, I'd like for us to think about therapy in the same way that if we had like a, I don't know, a hip injury, we'd go and see a physiotherapist, Mm -hmm. someone who knows about that thing and can help us. Or even if we're, scared that we're moving in a way which might hurt our hip we might see a 
a physio to learn a bit more about it. I'd like for us to think about therapy in the same way. Um, when it comes to our mental health, there's going to be an optimal way for us of, of dealing with it. And, um, and I think it's a, a very empowering thing to use all the tools that are, are available. Um, and yeah, so that was that. I also wanted to, um, uh, literally for the first time I spoke about my hearing loss, uh, a few weeks ago on the plant-based news podcast. And it was amazing to like actually talk about it because it was something that I've been struggling with for the past, maybe like five or six years. And, um, I was always very afraid to, to speak openly about it, especially when, you know, I'm working in the music industry and signed to a record label and, I'm, and for a long time it was like, Oh, I shouldn't say anything in case they might drop me. And, all these kind of thoughts um, and to actually speak openly about it was something that I was really proud of recently. And I also mentioned that I am wearing a hearing aid in my left ear, um, which I feel like there's still a lot of stigma attached to. Um, and uh, it's something which I'd like to, to normalize a little bit in the same way, you know, people can't see this, but you're wearing glasses right now. And um I think I don't think any less of you. Um, I wear glasses as well, um, but I, I'd like for that to be the same thing when it comes to hearing. Um, within the world of like vision, there's going to be certain um, distances where you need a bit more assistance than you know someone with fully 20/20 vision uh, might have. And the same thing is true within hearing. Um, within certain frequencies, I need things to be turned up a little bit so that I can hear it in the same way that you might hear something. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so I, I think I definitely like to, to, to put that out there in the world and, uh, and see what kind of conversation that stirs up. Well, I think that's a, yeah, and absolutely, um, you're right. There is definitely a stigma around that perhaps, particularly mm. in the, particularly in the youth and associated associating, a hearing aid to the elderly and that's an mm. easy an easy parallel to draw for the un not, I, would, I dare i say uneducated but um someone who's quick to to rush to a conclusion let's say yeah i also just don't think there's much exposure to it like because i mean let's face it it's, it's rare that um that you know young people experience hearing loss uh compared to old people um and I feel like there's less kind of representation uh, of that in, in mainstream culture. Uh, you had it a bit in, um, what's that movie? A quiet place yeah. <laughs> where there, there's someone uh, with a hearing aid and that, that was quite cool. Um, but I, I definitely feel like it's still kind of like a taboo thing. The fact that it took me six years to talk about it means I'm living in a society where there is a stigma attached. Um, and uh, yeah, I'd like to 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 change that if possible. Um, I, I, I know with, with the with autosclerosis, um, I think I found two people in the world uh, who were musicians who'd who had autosclerosis. Um, one is Frankie Valley. Oh, yeah. Did you know this? Yeah, I didn't know uh, that, but yeah, I know him. Right? Yeah. Uh, he he had he's got autosclerosis and had uh, the same operation that I had in both of his ears, and uh, I've tried so many times to like get hold of him, 
and like uh, asking questions about it and be like, ah, when you had the operation on your other ear, did it affect your pitch? Because uh, like it really fucked me up for like six, six months. I couldn't hear in tune. And even now, like my pitch is nowhere near as good as it used to be. Really? Um, yeah, it, it was it, it was pretty it was pretty tough. But um, yeah, just like the fact that there weren't that many people who'd had that similar experience. And so, you know, if someone else is going through that, I'd love to to provide some, you know, a, a tiny bit of comfort, knowing that they're not alone. And and you know, anytime I put out music for the past five years, I've been putting out music with messed up ears <laughs> so uh people i'd like them to to think ah even if i have autosclerosis or i have hearing loss in some way it's still possible to put out you know high quality music which is you know good and i suppose that brings it back full circle to what you were talking about at the beginning that there's comfort in i don't want to say there's comfort in numbers but mm-hmm. it is always better to be going through something with others that are experiencing the same thing rather yeah. than doing it on your own so yes. they are absolutely right. And I, perhaps when this comes out, perhaps we should do a live and talk about uh, I love that, yeah. loss and normalize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to make, because I feel like, because this is at the end of the podcast, I don't want to say that the beginning or the middle was boring, but if someone <laughs> make it to the end, it seems a complete shame to not talk about it yeah. in, another, in another form or platform. So maybe we should do that to try and um, to push things as well. Yeah, like, when, when's this coming okay. out? Um, I haven't got a date yet, um, okay. but I'll, I'll keep you posted. I'm just looking now. I don't know yet. Probably March. So you've got a while. A while. Got a while. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, right. My final question that I ask every guest that comes on, and this is interesting yes. to you, definitely. What does the word headstrong mean to you? Resilient like uh, ability to uh to keep going when when times are tough and and uh have a good relationship with with the world and make sense of the world and and keep growing and become wiser <laughs> and resilient yeah resilient i think is the main word do you feel you are at a place in your life right now where you are headstrong? Yeah. And yeah. I, the way I, I define headstrong is to believe in yourself, to talk about your mm. vulnerabilities, but reinforce your self-worth. Yeah, I like that. That's good. That's, where, that's, that's, like how, that I, that's how I like to talk about it. Really. Yeah. And, 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 and hopefully in, in the future, we'll both be headstronger. Exactly. And do you know what? Somebody, I've, I've heard that before, head stronger. And I think they can. Oh, right, right, right. And that's. I thought I was being super original there. No, Damn. you know, but it is original. It is completely original because there is no way. We're the best as best that we can be right now, perhaps. But every single I mean, day. I worked out. <laughs> <laughs> but again, if you had five hours sleep last night, you're probably beating yourself up about that right now. Whereas I'd like to think that you, mm. you're probably saying tomorrow's another opportunity for me to work out rather than yeah. saying, I damn, I didn't work out today. And that's a I mindset might go and shift. work out right now. Maybe you should. Even, maybe I will. And maybe even if, it, <laughs> even, if it, even if it's 15 minutes, stuff it. That's better, yeah. than, that's better than the zero minutes currently. Hell yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. 
Oh, Zach, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, and I'll, 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 I'll send over my current intro and see if you can get me to write me a new one. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking. It's the Louis Strong head stronger do, 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 do. <laughs> perfect a hell of a tune thank you i made it up just now oh. don't tell me someone else has come up with that uh, as well <laughs> <laughs> the most unoriginal guy no 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 you've Fucking smashed it i really enjoyed everything. it oh i really loved it thank you right. thank you very much and that's it for this episode of headstrong Thank you massively to Zach for coming onto the podcast and reaching out to Headstrong to join me. If you enjoyed the episode, please do leave a rating, a review, and go hit subscribe. I've got one more episode this series, but I've got a really exciting year planned. Thank you so much, and I will see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.